Welcome to another episode of Wrestling on the Rocks. Got my this is in the room. episode one. I don't know. Uh, again, coming uh, to you live. <laughs> it's only episode one. Lucky we haven't been doing this for so many years. Because that would be embarrassing to start a show like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you well, really want to stop me from having an episode too. <laughs> <laughs> I've put in so much work to get to episode two. <laughs> I got my iPad in the other room. And I needed it. For what? <sighs> Stuff I'm going to do while you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we are at WOTR the show. This is episode one of Wrestling on the Rocks again with me today to break down what we see on TV and the the, the rumor mills online that we like to weigh in on because we're just as expert as anybody else. You know how I know? Because I say I am and so do they. So what's the diff? With me to do it, Terrible Wrestling Takes Bishop himself. I'm Mr. Bishop. What's up, dude? Thanks for having me on. Uh, next time, I'll be less prepared to do your intro when you're not around. So, 
Uh, maybe what I'll do is I'll I'll listen to the audio podcast um, and remember how you do it. But uh, no, thanks for having me again at TWTakes Podcast on Twitter and TWTakesPodcast.com to sample the show. It's there. Eventually be, you know, what it needs to be in the future. Uh, your terrible wrestling takes? No, they're always existing here every other week on Twitter, all that stuff. But the show itself. Yeah. It'll be somewhere where it needs to be when it needs to be. But it's still out there. It's on all platforms and all that shit. But, you know. It makes sense. What I like about it is it does feel like surprise drops when it happens. So you're just kind of like scrolling yeah. through your your podcast feed being like, ah, what am I going to check out today? Oh, is this one up? Is this one done theirs? And all of a sudden, boop. There's pissed off. Bissed off. <laughs> pissed <laughs> off. Bishop. With a little rant to be had. And you're like, all right, let's hear this one. You know, it's a fun time to to do all that. Hell yeah. I can't always be on here. Uh, I can, actually. Uh, we can make that work. But no, it's, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, when I first started, I was trying to get Twitter followers. I was pushing the episodes, all this shit. And I could not build a fucking audience, no matter how many people I tag and all this shit. And I figured, or I found out, the less I promoted it, the more people listen. I was like, fucking it. I'll just do it, throw it out there, and see what happens. It's really weird. Yeah. And that's been kind of my, uh, it's been what I've noticing the most, as much as everyone talks about all the, all their, their numbers and how much they're doing stuff. What I think is interesting is one of the things I've heard from multiple like sales reps for podcasts is they're always using Cornette as, as their template because they're like, well, like what is Cornette doing? Because he's got really good numbers and he gets really good sponsorships on all that stuff realistically not to talk bad about anyone over there but they do kind of the least amount as anyone else they don't do a lot they do almost no promotion they don't have even a show podcast like twitter it's just the two the host and the co-host just literally jim Cornette and brian last and brian will just tweet out a raw link to youtube to the clips that are there and the clips are just stripped audio with a commissioned piece of art over top of it that's just bland. It's just bland. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to talk shit on it. It's working. It's great for them. But it's not something you can do with everybody else's stuff. And I also find that the more complex stuff looks versus the least complex, it doesn't seem to make a, a bump. Like, I've worked with a few different podcasts that have been like, we need more clips. We need more clips. We need to drive traffic. And I was like, I've never seen from any podcast I've worked on an increase in traffic based off of clips ever. And I've, and there was a while when I worked for wrestling Inc where all I did was make clips. There was no increase in traffic to their, to their specific podcast. You know what I mean? Like it made the views go up on YouTube. Yeah. But, Twitter didn't make it happen. You know what I mean? It was weird. It was weird. Yeah, no, it's it, it. To me, it's not that weird. I think, to be honest, like it's the right format for the right personality. If you have someone who speaks well in clips, then it it works. If you, I mean, it's that's the the whole AEW thing of it, right? Like there, you can cut up their whole show into YouTube clips, and you probably get a fantastic viewing experience through YouTube clips. But you put it on it as a full show. It's not the right presentation for it. So the right yeah. presentation for the right entertainment, if you want to call that. I mean, you know, I think we're entertaining, but 
there's way more people that don't listen to us than do. Um, but the right presentation for the right entertainment is what what would help. So just because someone else does clips doesn't mean you should. Just because, I mean, in your show in particular, I bug you all the time for the audio podcast because I don't YouTube stuff. I don't watch YouTube. I don't listen to YouTube. I do the audio because that's how my job is. My job is earbuds. I can do stuff with my hands and my eyes. So I listen. And the audio for you isn't a big driver. So, you know, yeah, it's not. Yeah. No matter how good our numbers are on all of our other platforms, even that doesn't increase the audio listens. Right. Every now and again on audio, we might get a small jump, but you're talking like minuscule. And then you look at our yeah. YouTube stuff or you look at our Twitch stuff and you go, oh, shit, a bunch of people are checking those out. You know what I mean? So. I don't feel as driven to make sure that the audio goes up. That's why uh, that was that's why there was a fucking data dump last week because you were bitching. Doing the old, <laughs> I, just I ran through. In. Yeah, I ran through all the other episodes of shit that I listened to, and I I needed a, a backlog of stuff to do because my job's really boring if I don't have something going in my ears. I have to I have to be I'm tangible. I'm looking at stuff, but it's it's so monotonous that the only thing that changes is what I listen to, and I had nothing to listen to. So I need fucking more shows, man. And you're the only one that didn't post in fucking months. Yeah. So I loaded you up with like 12 hours of stuff. So I hope that helped. Yeah. I only got through the first one. <laughs> as soon as I asked for it, I got busy. I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> That's funny. I'll listen to them all. Up. I all enjoy right, it. I mean, there's episodes. You're, you're shouted out a lot by the other people who come through. Which I think is interesting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. On Thursday, Amanda will bring you up on on when you're not here. Digi's talking about you. Like, I'm just like, guys, he's dead to us. He's not here. Like, move on. You know? <laughs> that's why. That's why when you bring up Kevlar, I'm like, who? Who's that? I don't understand yeah. what you mean. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Get down. Um, but yeah, dude, let's talk about some stuff. You brought up a point on the way in. Uh, about we tend Bray to Wyatt. do ramble real quick. Uh, what's in your glass? Oh shit. Yeah, I got a coffee go. going and I got a tea with vodka. Nice. Yeah. Just a little orange though. Little mana. Yeah. I'm just it's not even that much vodka. I'm just finishing off the little flavored bottle we had so we can go grab some more this afternoon. Nice. Uh but yeah, cheers to everyone coming through and all that. Um, yo, so you brought it up on the way in. What's going on with Bray? Should we talk about the Bray stuff? And I was like, what the fuck yeah. are you talking about? I've seen very little that made me believe in any of it, right? So I saw like a couple things being like, oh, he missed a Madison Square Garden thing. Clearly, he's quit WWE and is having mental health issues. And I was like, that's a quick jump. It's not impossible, <laughs> but there's no evidence to support that, right? Other than the geological uniformitarianism concept of what has been will always be and you know you can learn from the past it'll happen again but that's then associating very specific personal issues he had in his life to quote a problem he has right like right when he stepped away when his good friend passed that's not the same as saying he just has a ha habit of doing this, right? So now we're trying to insert a habit, and I'm not willing to do that personally, right? He's also, um, you know, gotten injuries in the past and had to been pulled. He got the, the measles once and got pulled from the SummerSlam, you know, and everyone was 
trying to figure out what was going on there. And we found out, you know, a while later it was like the measles. So it's also kind of like, we don't fucking know. And they're not telling us. So I started pulling up. I went to wrestling Inc because those are my guys. And I immediately start seeing some, some articles written by the one dude I do not trust at all. (laughs) Knowing a bunch of the writers over there, there was one dude who stands out to me as the gutter press representation for wrestling Inc. They need someone to write, shitty headlines that mislead people and this is the guy to do it because he also misunderstands everything contextually and has a very manipulative way of communicating to try and twist what someone's saying out of context right like having had conversations with him i remember thinking god i would not have a beer with this guy (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean uh but he's written a bunch about bray which already to me means we're already making it up, right? I have no idea what's true or not. But as I'm even reading the context of what he has, it's all, well, he hasn't been on TV since this date. Uh, He hasn't been on Twitter since this date. He did a video promo package on this date. Bobby Lashley's been doing this, and we only saw him interact with Uncle Howdy. He didn't show up to the advertised match. Therefore... He he's probably dealing with a physical ailment ailment or or illness. Also, that when when uh, let's see, reports have suggested he's still expected to uh, uh, to appear at Mania, which also to me tells me then we don't fucking know if it's physical or mental or any of that stuff, right? Like if you're saying that the company believes he's going to make it there, then there's a whole wide world of you don't fucking know when you're guessing. This is purely to me. As a reader and viewer of the show, brash speculation based on the fact that you haven't seen him on TV and you're trying to piece it together based off what we know to have been true in the past, not what we know to be true now. You know what I mean? And there's yeah. a huge that's a huge leap to me, especially when you're talking about things like mental illness and physical issues. You know what I mean? Like, right. benefit of the doubt, he's out for some reason, but unless they say that he's done... I don't know. Maybe he's just taking time. Well, that's the thing. There, there has to be a difference between old school journalistic integrity and whatever the fuck is going on now, because it's happening all across the landscape of of sports media, regardless of entertainment value or not. Whether it's real sports, not apologies for real sports, but you know, your major four sports in America or wrestling or what have you. Competitive sports. Competitive sports. Yes. The the idea that the burden of proof is not as important as getting your thought process out. And that's a problem because it creates narratives that, um, fuck, I, I wish, I, I forget what it was, but there's, there was a quote from a movie and it, it was when the myth becomes legend, print the legend, you know, hmm. it's, the idea of this whole thing becomes what it is. And then you then put out there, here's now fact because it's become lore. It's become legend, you know, and, and to have, to have this happen consistently in wrestling, but because everyone is on Twitter refreshing to find out the next thing that it's not the burden of proof that matters. It's that your headline was first is, is what matters. And it's, it sucks. It sucks because that, on the inside of this, there's real people. Yeah. And those people are the ones that have to deal with this. 
You know, I, again, I'll, uh, two years ago when DMX passed away, you know, for an entire week, they killed him off, speculating to be the one to announce that he finally died before it actually happened. And mm-hmm. I took it hard for the entire week. And, you know, you know, you were, you know, communicating with me during the whole process. And I, I, I'll never forget that and always appreciate that. But it's the, the toll it takes on the humans that give a shit for one, but also like the ones that it actually involves. Yeah, You know, even Ric Flair, when he was going through a sepsis thing, he died on Twitter, Yeah, you know, and, and he was in a real situation where it could have happened. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's the burden of proof has to take Paramount over the headline. And these guys thinking that they have sources say it's like, get the fuck out of here with your sources, man. Just tell the fucking truth. Yeah. You know, and if and if a source fucked you over, then out the source. Mm hmm. Yeah. Out the source. That's so, no longer and, a good source. Yeah. Yeah. This is the source that told me that we had a great relationship. Good luck in the future. I can't use them as a source anymore. Guys, be wary. You know, because somebody has to do damage control here. Yeah. But that's why that's why I don't keep falling into the dirt sheet narrative. I just saw the speculation that, you know, and, and again. Yeah, and it, I hadn't even it, seen it until you told me. When to look it becomes it legend and it goes all over Twitter, I, I end up seeing it, you know, and. It's like, you know, back to the Jay Briscoe stuff, right? People were putting his wife in the car. It's like the wife wasn't even in the car. Yeah. You know, and 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 do any of these people. Yeah. And do any of these people um, care to give an update on the daughters? You know, has that something that's been running around the whole time? No, you just wanted to be first about him passing away and trying to make sure that you were the first to tell the story. It's really fucked up, man. Yeah. It's really fucked up. The burden of proof has to be there. Yeah, and and to me, it kind of highlights the wrestling uh, newsletter almost genre on a whole. Is it's pretty safe to bet that these are that the majority of people are in it for for bad reasons, wrong reasons, and uneducated. The vast majority of people involved in at this point are not actual journalists who have got a journalism degree or who have any kind of background. They're just fans who like to write about wrestling and want to be someone who had that, right? The As much as we are are kind of over the, the era of Meltzer, Meltzer has a degree in journalism. That's how he started. And he started trying to be legit. He just got to a point where he was so wrapped up. And I think part of it, to be to be honest, I think part of it has to do with the um, being manipulated by the AEW yeah. talent and EVPs to help them with their wrestling thing. And there's an excitement there that's completely understandable. Having been an outsider observing and reporting to being someone that they're relying on for stuff that had to be a huge ego boost. And it had to be hard to turn around and turn down. And, and I think that that made him sloppy if I'm being honest, but at the same time, I don't know who the fuck am I? I'm just an idiot on YouTube, but it's why I didn't even know about this stuff going on because they've lost so much credibility knowing flat out that they're majority just shitty fans who want to get the dirt and be the first ones to say it, that there's no journalism integrity to it at all. Um, it does kind of what your point though, it reminds me of um, that show newsroom. If anybody's ever seen that on HBO, it's worth a check. Uh, there's a whole episode they do on that where they're going to be the last news site you're not site uh show to report on this thing happening and they don't know if it's real or not and it's all of the backstage drama going on about them trying to confirm that this thing actually happened because if they report on it and it's true then they're going to be one of the last ones to report on it and that's going to make them look slow 
But if it's not true, then they're accusing of massive war crimes. And that's a big deal. Right. And that they're also putting people uh, like reporting people being dead that are not. Right. So the whole thing is about them validating their sources before going live. And they become the first news cast to report it accurately and correctly because they weren't rushing to be the first ones to say it based off the hot stuff. So, yeah, I mean, as far as the Bray Wyatt stuff goes, I don't know. We don't know. No one's saying anything. So in my mind, I'm to assume that uh, he's okay and he'll be on TV when he's ready to be on TV and they're ready to put him back on TV. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. And that's it sucks. It sucks that it has to come out this way, you know, Um, because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it really could just be an absolute nothing. And Mm -hmm. it it would it could be a thing that would drive people away. You know, could I'm I'm watching Lana on Twitter every once in a while. She, you know, she'll do a data dump and post a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, when stuff like this happens, would she ever want to come back? What would yeah. be the, what would be the point to put to put yourself out to this kind of stuff? Um, yeah, yeah it, it sucks. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Grim Reaper's coming through the chat though. Cheers to Grim Reaper. Hello, hello, my friend. Uh, he says, what's going on, gents? And he goes, uh, all wrestling Twitter feeds are fake except for Sean Ross Sapp. And he's laughing because he understands the irony that he's one of the most predatory of them all, if you ask me. But oh, he's the he's, worst. He's another dude that's like just legitimately a, just not a good person. <laughs> uh, just in time says, cheers, my friend. What up, dude? Yeah, 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 it's, you know, it was it was tough to watch the media scrum uh, after Royal Rumble where a lot of those guys were there. And I know we came on and joked about it, but it's 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 dumb because they get more real information at those scrums or press conferences than they do when they're just sitting on Twitter. They This is the only time they get that FaceTime with them. And yeah. it takes what? What pass to get there, you know? Yeah. Uh, it takes, uh, more or less, it takes... Uh, uh proven traffic they're just trying to get their stuff out what i like about the wwe ones is they have a ton of not wrestling journalists there and a couple yeah. of the wrestling ones that they know everyone feeds off of yeah. the reason that they invite guys like that in there is because they know that the wrestling inks of the world aggregate all their stuff from fightful the fightful will put out something and then Meltzer or Meltzer will put out something and then everyone says oh according to this person this is happening nine out of 10 newsletters aren't trying to create their own information or their own news. They're just trying to pull from everyone else's and post. And how is that? How is that? It's weird. Ethical. How is that? How is that appropriate? How is that possible? That how's it useful? How is it helpful? Yeah. Oh, per fightful. Okay. I'll just go to fightful. Oh, per sports kitty. Okay. I'll just go to sports kitty. Oh, per ESPN. Well, I'll just watch ESPN then. I'm not going to, you know, show me something, you know, Yeah, because it's or show me the value in your opinion. But even, um, you know, I used to hear podcasts say, well, this is from Forbes. It's a reputable site. Well, Forbes, they pull from the newsletter like the Wrestle Observer. They they have writers from the newsletter perform articles and it'll say writer wrestling a newsletter next to it. So Forbes is as credible as who they hire. Yeah. Not the fact that it's Forbes. So you got to be careful. Like you said, you went on the Wrestling Inc. and the article came from a journalist that you don't trust done you know and yep. for me 
like I said before, if it's if the burden of proof isn't there, they all go fuck themselves. I just I don't have time for it. It just yeah. sucks that it floods the timeline because not everybody considers burden of proof to be something they need. Yeah, no, I've got a lot of that stuff kind of kind of muted. I don't really live in that world, you know, so it's kind of like, yeah. Um, but it was also interesting seeing the people who would fight for validation and truth be knocked down a peg here and there and found out recently that some of the more credible ones have even left some of their spots. So, you know, it's not a surprise to me when I look at it. So, yeah, it's not a world that I envy or am jealous of. I'd much rather sit around and talk with my drinking buddies on my own. And then uh, the rest of the week, I get to sit down and talk to the old legends and revisit stuff. Like, I mean, this is like the most fun I've had in any of it. It's probably the least consistent, but it's the most fun. <laughs> most authentic, you know? You're yeah. not dealing with the bullshit anymore. No, no. And it gets, it's, yeah, it's just been fun and fascinating and and cool. And, and for the most part, we're just talking about either old stuff or what you see on TV, which is the fun stuff to talk about anyways. Like, some of these people, they just fucking, they get off on having bad news and being able to drag someone, you know? And you're just like, what What kind of human are you? You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather see no one report something and you don't even realize someone exists than everyone be like, can we pile on this person because of what I think they meant, not because of what they said? Like, fuck. It's right. Weird. It's weird and it's gross. Right. But we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh, you want to talk a little bit of a... Uh... Oh, wait. There was one other piece of news. Hall of Fame this morning. As you watch live, they've announced a new inductee to the Hall of Fame of WWE. Mr. Great Muda. I think that was a slam dunk. I think a lot of people thought thought that a while ago. I think we even mentioned it here that it wouldn't be be a surprise, especially the moment we saw that they booked Shinsuke versus Muda in Japan. It was like, oh, this is easy. Get Muda in the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. If you're also if you're Triple H and stuff, and you're saying, hey, I'll, I'm willing to send you one of my guys. Why would you not be all like, but would you come into the Hall of Fame? Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Because that's really win, 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 win. Like, there's no yeah. loss there. Let's send yeah, you our absolutely. guy. He's not even on TV right now. We're not doing anything storyline-wise. I don't know. Do you think Shinsuke got hurt? Because I don't think so. I, yeah. I, I, let's let's uh, <laughs> let's do exactly what they just did with Bray Wyatt, right? <laughs> yeah. It's got to be a mental health issue, right? He hasn't been on TV. There's a good chance Shinsuke had that match and then quit the WWE and walked away. Oh, he just stayed in Japan because that's where he's from. He got homesick as soon as he got there. He didn't realize, you know, how much he he missed being back in Japan and really wants to uh, wait out his contract length until he can get on TV so he can be at um, New Japan Pro World of whatever wrestling in the Tokyo Dome next year. Yeah, that's what I heard. You know, it's easy to assume. Like, I mean, why would that? I mean, it's got to be the facts. Right. Why would it be anything else? Right. Right. Although in defense, Shinsuke should be on TV. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's too good to not be on TV. Um, but I mean, yeah, I why? Mean, why wouldn't he be a part of this intercontinental tag, uh, intercontinental, you know, beef that's happening? Because it's better than what what we kind of getting now. Um, especially because they've had a big 
interestingly enough, this intercontinental title has had a very international feel to it. Even their their tournament was meant to be country versus country. It was the World Cup tournament the to World the IC Cup. title. Yeah. yeah. And then right now we're trying to find which European can fight Gunther at Mania. Yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't have a Shinsuke. But, I mean, obviously, like, there's a lot of factors that go into why you would or wouldn't. I just... You just like your faves and you want to see them on TV a bunch, you know? No, yeah, to definitely, um, you know, not be a dick about it. Um, I do I do hope something's cool with, you know, um, with Shinsuke. It's not an injury or anything like that because he's, he's awesome. And, I mean, he's up there, too, you know, age-wise. I mean, how many more years do we have left of a, of a Shinsuke? So... Yeah. Also, with Boogs coming back and doing the stuff he's doing with Elias and having there be no Shinsuke involvement, when the last time we saw him, Shinsuke and Boogs were competing for the tag team championships. You know what I mean? Right. But right. they do that a lot. Someone will leave when they're a tag team, and then they just come back like the tag team never happened. And you're like, you don't want to revisit it at all. <laughs> like... That's also true. That's also true. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah. Congrats on Muda. We'll see how that goes. Uh, let's do this as a news thing, too, because, I mean, it happened on Raw, but it's in, you know, not uh, relevant to the Raw show. Uh, they announced that Ric Flair is going to be on Raw next week to announce another inductee to the Hall of Fame. And then about two segments later, they slid in there that next week they're going to be in St. Louis. If I'm a journalist, I report that Randy Orton is irreparably injured and he's going into the Hall of Fame. Right. Although, to be honest, if his injury is worse than we know, which no wrestling journalist would know because they don't have real sources, if it is worse than we know and he does need to retire, how more perfect can you make it to have Ric Flair announce him as the inductee and have him come out to his hometown and make the make the speech? You know what I mean? The, the I'm, I got to wrap it up speech, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, or what if he's not injured? He just realized that his time away that he wants to be done. Fuck, it's been like almost a year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, it's I would I would hate to speculate that he's that injured. Of course, that's that's the route to go, right? Um, but Flair just did the one on uh, on the bump, so he's going to do another one. Wait, or he announced just, it on the bump? He was the one that did the... Yeah, he did the Hall of Fame thing on the bump this morning. Really? I thought they said he was going to do that on Raw. No, that's why I think maybe you got your signals crossed a bit. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he did both, but he he is, he announced Muda this morning on, on the bump. Oh, all right, good. Well, there's that. Then I hope that in St. Louis, Randy Orton comes out and RKO's a motherfucker, and we get him against Bobby Lashley at Mania. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We will see. But I do think that um, I'm liking the Hall of Fame so far. Rey Mysterio, Muda. Probably Randy Orton. Well, he never wrestled in WCW, so we'll see how it goes. Orton? Yeah. That's true. Do you think it's going to be an all-WCW class? Why not? That'd be awesome. Do something like that. I would do it. Put in El Dandy, too. Hell yeah. Don't disrespect Al Dendi. Yeah. 
<laughs> I can't do a Bret Hart. So. <laughs> Maybe Justin can. That guy pulls a fucking impression out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Justin Time is our shucky, shucky, quack, quack moment every week. So incredible. Uh, well, let's talk some SmackDown. There was some pretty interesting stuff. They had the Fatal Five-Way Intercontinental Championship match. Is that how they open the show? I think it is. Uh, it is today. I was not thrilled with this match, uh, the finish of it. I thought it was pretty awful. But a couple things I want to point out. LA Knight is fucking incredible. I don't. I remember last week we'd gotten so bogged down, or the week before, really, we gotten so bogged down with so much stuff. And we were running late. I didn't get to go back and circle back on LA Knight, I don't think. But I wanted to talk about how he came out when Drew and Sheamus were talking. And Drew and Sheamus just doing everything they can to shit on LA Knight's appearance there. It was bizarre. Uh, I also felt like Drew did everything he could in this match to shit on everyone else in the match. Like, He's not the build your opponent so you look better type. He's the tear down everyone around you so you can... It's like the Charlotte Flair way. Make sure everyone else looks bad so you look good. Not make sure everyone else looks good so you look better. LA Knight has got the crowd behind him, man. When he's doing his thing and he does the finger, they're starting to do it. The LA Knight, the Yaz, it's fucking badass, dude. My son does it now. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, he does it now. <laughs> It'll just say L.A. Knight. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 definitely uh, proliferated the wrestling community. So I think it's cool that, that he's getting that. It's so funny how much you hate The Rock. Um, and the fact that like, he's this mashup of The Rock and Stone Cold so much. Yeah. He's definitely made it his own, but he's done it in a way where um, it's not it's not completely forced. No. But, I mean, he's got every catchphrase that he has in his pocket. He uses every single time. But you know who he is now, and that's – he did it, you know? He's hooked the crowd, and they know who he is. Now he's just got to fucking wrestle more and and get his opportunity to be on top. You yeah. know, whatever that means, like the just the A side of matches, you know, instead of like, yeah. you know, what happened with Bray, he didn't quite, he doesn't have to win every time, but he definitely has to come out looking a little bit better every single time he goes out there and maybe be the cause of the feud, you know? Yeah. Because if not, yeah. I think he'll get stuck in Ziggler land. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I even thought it was great that Ellie Knight even, uh, like put out on social media on like Instagram and Twitter, the video of him doing that promo coming out to the ring while Drew and Sheamus are shitting on him. And the crowd is eating up LA night. The crowd is ignoring what Drew and Sheamus are doing to focus yeah. on LA night. Like you guys are trying so hard to shit on me and the whole crowd doesn't even care that you're there anymore. You know what I mean? And so I love that he tweeted out the video of it and just put pure Kavorka. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true when he comes out and the crowd takes all of their attention away from what's meant to be their their focal point feud here. Like, this whole feud leading to Gunther is meant to be Drew versus Sheamus feud. It's supposed to draw in everybody because it's Drew, their top guy. And as soon as LA Knight comes out, everyone's like, oh, forget that. Look at this. 
Ellie Knight is awesome, and everything he's been doing has been uh, more and more. I've even been seeing people because we were, I talked about it before, dude. When I know that you didn't watch him as much in NXT, I was like, if anyone can get this crowd to figure it out, it's him. I'm already starting to see memes float around and stuff of like, I don't give a shit if Cody wins or Roman wins. I'm just ready for Ellie Knight to hold all the titles. Like I was seeing some stuff like that, and I was like, that's pretty cool. Not that that's the overall view of all people. But he is winning people over enough to where they're behind him. And they they want to see him with gold already. And he hasn't been winning matches. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Uh, Blue Boy says he's been old since NWA. She's got to mean gold. Yeah, okay. There I think is. it's he's both. been gold since NWA. Yeah, she's all like, he's old as fuck. Fuck that dude. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> And arguably, he was he was gold before then. He was uh, the Impact Champion for a while too, and doing that stuff. And there, was it the dummy button he would go? He had a uh, podium, and he would call people dummy and smack the dummy button. It was a big red button, and be it'd go dummy, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's pretty good. No, when but, when he showed up, when he showed up between you and Graham from Good Cop Bad Cop and the other half of Twitter, they were all about him. This Eli Drake guy, he's got something to him. And I'm I'm not completely sold because I hate his finishing move. Uh but he uh he's there. He's everything you want in a wrestler. So um it's just about seeing him as consistent as possible to uh to really be able to dig your heels in on on like fanship for me, that is, you know. But yeah. he's there. Yeah. I think he's there and he's impressing, which is great. He's making his presence known, you know what I mean? Like and they're giving him the chance because every week he's on TV with the opportunity to stick with the fans more and more. So if that's now the chance and, you know, like you just said, the taking the attention away from two former world champions who are at the top of the card for LA Knight to infiltrate that, the next step now is to hold them through the matches too. Yep. Yep. Uh, but this match, the Fatal Five-Way, Sheamus – Cross, Woods, LA Knight, uh, Drew, and Sheamus. One, two, three, four. Oh, five. Drew. Drew. I said Sheamus twice. I was like, how did I have too many num- names? <laughs> I was so confused why there was a ref on the outside. Yeah. Because we've never seen that in any Fatal Five or Six Way or No DQ or anything like that. Obviously, it was because they wanted the finish to be such that you're going to have two refs count at the same time, so it's the same finish, right? What I did think they did right was, even though it was weird and kind of dumb and forced, they had moments in the match where the second ref was needed. They had uh, Jessica Carr trying to find out if somebody was going to submit because they were in a submission hold while a pin happened on the other side of the ring. And he ran over there, slid in to do the two count and slide back out. And I was like, okay, they've made sense of the chaos and why they need two refs. Smart. And it being five people in the match, you can't have more than two predicaments at one time. Right. Right. So it's also like they're not overdoing it by having a bunch of refs out there. They're having one backup ref in case one is tied up in a situation like that. You know what I mean? I mean, look, case in point, actually, they might need three because if they had two in the um, the Seth 
Cena Brock triple threat match, Brock would have been counted out of that match. He would for the let you know it would have been a ten count. He would have been down underneath that announce table. Um, so maybe they do need a third one because if there's two pins happening at one time, the other guy can be counting that this guy needs you know, and he would then be eliminated from the match. That ref can go too because if there's the no fifth DQ. guy's down for ten count, it's not a DQ if it's a ten count. That's not the inability to get up. That's a knockout. No, well, I guess theoretically. Yeah. But it's wrestling. They can make up their own rules. <clears throat> I ask, did. I'll have to ask Corderas about that. My, my only, um, well, because I guess if all five guys are down at once, you'd, you'd have to start counting, right? Right, but I mean, at a certain point. So then, because I mean, it's a ten count on the outside to get back into the ring, and that's a disqualification. Unless it's a last man standing match, then a ten count is a knockout, right? Like it's the inability to stand up. You're so not then, qualified, you're out. If so you're from, knocked out on the outside in a multi-person match where there's no countouts, it's just you being on the outside. But if yeah. it's a 10 count inside the ring, it's the inability to get up to perform. Yes. Because okay. the falls I'll can only it. happen yeah. in the ring. Right. I'll take it. Makes sense. And Makes it's sense. not a last man standing match, which yeah. then is kind of like a falls count anywhere because it's the one fall standing. Right. right. So... Just to double back, though, to the finish, my, my only thought seeing it was it was very well-timed and that they executed a double pin better than AEW executes a solo pin. Yes. Yeah, that's, that was my immediate thought. I was like, man, that was awesome. That, the timing was amazing, and fuck, they got two right at once without some places knowing how to count once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was cool. I wasn't a big fan because I felt like it was a little choreographed, or not choreographed, telegraphed. It was a little like, because I saw a lot of people saying before, even Sam Roberts was saying on his podcast like a month ago, like before we even knew that Gunther was going to be having a match at Mania, saying like, I could see us going to a triple threat of of Drew, Sheamus, and Gunther. Like it was that telegraphed out as far as like the possibility is there that to have them both do the fall, I was like, God, I don't want to see that triple threat. Yeah. Just because I'm kind of tired of this asshole Drew. And he, I feel like Seamus is right in all of this. He keeps trying to fight for this thing, and Drew's all like, fuck you, dude. I do what I want. Right. And he's like, but it means a lot to me. And he goes, okay, I do what I want. And you're like, you're a dick, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I'm still yeah, it's thinking. Kinda, that, it's kind of like Sammy infiltrating the bloodline. You know, Drew became a part of something that he wasn't a part of initially to get to a position that he wasn't particularly at. And now that he sniffed that spot, he doesn't want to leave that spot. Drew doesn't have any right to Seamus's area, the same as Sammy didn't have any right to Roman's area. And the fact that Drew's not stepping away, uh, maybe they need to, you know, uh, brutally beat down this guy from the brawling brutes to, to you know, make a statement a la the bloodline on Sammy. I think it's a huge stretch because Sammy's <laughs> not trying to get Roman's spot. <laughs> You know He's I mean? trying like, to raise his own. He's trying to raise his own spot. That's why it started. No, no, it was never starting to raise his own spot. He was trying to rebuild a credibility. Wise, he was trying wow. to rebuild a credibility because he was like losing a lot, and he was trying to effectively use the bloodline to get there. No, yeah. he was trying to help the bloodline to regain some credibility. He was trying to be a pawn, and then at some point, he realized he didn't like that. 
He wasn't was all like Sammy wasn't trying to lend himself to the bloodline to help the bloodline. He was yes, trying he was. to get in with the bloodline to help himself. The bloodline never needed Sammy. That's a stretch, and you know that. The bloodline <laughs> needed him so bad. They didn't need him. They're better off entertainment value that he was there. But story for story, he never needed to be there. It was all Sammy being a dick, trying to trying to get the rub off the bloodline to be more important. And guess what? It worked. He went in there. He rubbed off the entire bloodline, and he came out of it white hot. They gave him the honorary use. He was never trying to do that. He was trying to help them. And he took a lot of kicks to the face to help them. He needs to take more. Because that's what he deserves. But anyway, the only thing I would hate to see happen with this Drew and Sheamus thing is that they earn the spot together against Gunther because they can't beat each other. Yes. If you can't have a definitive winner out of the two of them, then how can you have either one of them believably beat Gunther? Yeah. Because then you're saying that two people are better than Gunther if Gunther loses that match. It's fucked up. Yep. Yeah, that's my big fear, is that they're going to do some sort of stupid double count out, and then, oh, what are you going to do now? It's like, we'll redo it again next week, and it's no count out. And then it's going to be some sort of, like, last man standing thing where they both knock each other out and then it's like well what are you gonna do now you know like blue boyd's in the chat talking shit on rick flair <laughs> join the chat and hear the common sense please yeah uh, i'm so over rick flair it's part of the reason why i don't like triple h being in charge is that i just knew we'd see more rick flair they they cut him out of the you know, they took his woo out of the intro, and then when yeah. Triple H got back in, the woo got back in. Now he's coming back around. It's just. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm way over Flair at this point. Um, Let's see. Legato versus Rey Mysterio on the Judgment Day. Dude, the whole Rey Mysterio Dom stuff, I'm loving. I know a lot of people are getting pretty upset that it's dragging ass a little bit. But I also... I mean, it should be kind of tough to get a dad to want to beat the shit out of his kid in front of a million people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's trying to put it off, and Santos is trying to get it done, and Ray's not stopping Santos from doing it. He's just saying, I don't want to be the one to do it. You know? At the end of the day, though, if we do get to Ray versus Dom at Mania, if it's not a retirement match or a mask match, if it's just a match, where I think that there's every possibility we do a hair versus mask match that would be awesome i think it'd be great i think it'd be great do you think that let's say that there is i mean does ray have to win at mania who comes out better no matter who wins like what what's the outcome that's awesome so i think ray is so fluid in the ring the best looking match is Ray winning. I don't know how you get Dom to win without interference, without some type of shenanigans. So I think you have Ray win as a send-off, and that just puts Dom in his place to come out and be more of a dick on Monday or Friday. I don't think it's anything more. Like you just it's not there's no sense 
in Ray losing. Let's put it that way. I don't see the sense in Ray losing. The only sense comes from the possibility of Ray being ready to wrap it up. If Ray wants to retire, which he might, he wanted to retire years ago. He did this whole extension on his contract to work with Dom. I mean, he's been on record saying that. And they even put yeah. it in storyline. Yeah. I could see him saying he wants to retire, but at the same time, he seems like such an old school dude. I don't think I would be shocked if he did lose to Dom on the way out. But I also agree with you. There's no believable way for Dom to do it without him being a dick, which also he can still do. He can win and be a dick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because then it's still like it keeps Ray's credibility that he shouldn't have lost. And it gives the win to Dom so he can be a dick about it. No, I, I get all that. And I and you know, I'm just trying to think in in proper context of how it would look on TV. Like, you know, I completely understand, you know, like Kurt Angle losing to Baron Corbin at WrestleMania, right? Like, you know, let's let's go out on our back, let's give somebody the shot to look good. And with this being his son, I would just imagine that Ray would see what Dom is doing and go, Okay, character work. It's fucking perfect, man. He's killing it. Um, in ring, it's a it fits better. It looks better now because the character work is better now. But yeah. fucking one more year, man. One more year of reps. We'll have an awesome match next year at Mania. So maybe it's mm-hmm. one of those things where you know Ray gets it this year and Dom gets it next year. I can see that. I can see um, that. But because the Hall of Fame's happening this time, I thought it was so weird because you know sentimental guy myself like. So supposedly Conan's going to be the one to induct Ray at the Hall of Fame. The fact that Dom doesn't get the opportunity to do that, my first thought was, well, the character-wise. But I also, you know, I've heard the stories that Conan's so important to Ray Mysterio in his career, so I get that yep. too. And there's an honor there that we we don't even know about because we're not, you know what I mean? The whole business, the luchadors, all that stuff. So I think I think Dom's character not being able to enjoy this Hall of Fame ceremony kind of sucks but if they get the opportunity to you know do it twice at wrestlemania it's probably all worth it so who knows oh you're right there it is hall of fame next announcement will be made by rick flair on the bump you're right it wasn't going to be on raw okay well hey just uh that's over here there you go oh there you go you should be a journalist (laughs) <laughs> you know i'm i'm a good journalist because i don't pay attention to what i see at tv i make it right. up anyway right <laughs> um i just have raw playing in the background but because i hadn't seen i didn't see the beginning before we got started i mean before we got started i did but before i woke up i hadn't seen the beginning so um but yeah i'm i mean i could see that too give ray the win now and give uh dom the win next year and i could even see do you do you see a world especially right now dom is killing it character wise do you think he will honestly be hated for another year or do you think that he's going to be so hated he becomes beloved within a year yeah, that's a tough one. I don't see him being beloved because he's not doing anything. He's not doing anything cool. Yeah. And the guys around him, like even Finn. Finn, every once in a while, he'll do something cool. And it's like, yeah, we just fucking love Finn. But then he turns into a dick again. Um, Rhea. Rhea is such a badass, but she's starting to do stuff that's cool. So even, 
us Charlotte detractors are seeing her come to a point where we're going to cheer when she wins that title, you know? Oh, for sure. So I don't see, I just don't see um, Dom getting to that point, but I can see how adjacently he's at that point. Uh, but yeah. if let's say the rest of the judgment day starts to babyface it, I don't see Dom getting that rub either though. He might, he might end up going backwards in his development. So to your point, it's going to be tough to be hated for another year. Um, but I, I just don't know, man. I just don't know. Yeah. Do you think, cause I think part of my question is, do you think as we make it all up as we go along, Hell yeah. do we get to a hair versus mask match that Dom ultimately wins? And does Don, does Dom don the mask as the next Mysterio? Because Ray is just part of the lineage. He's the at least the second Ray Mysterio, if not the third. That's why back in WCW he was Ray Mysterio Jr. He came in as Ray Mysterio yeah. Jr. He was yeah. in AAA, he was Ray Mysterio Jr. Like yep. he was the second. And it was his uncle, right? Uh yeah. I believe it was, it was uncle or his cousin. Yeah. So why would he not pass the mask down, you know, and be the right. next Ray Mysterio? Now, I do think that Dom's done an awesome job of, like, tributing his dad on all of his gear and that hoodie's got the little phoenixes on the side. But do you think we get to a place where we as fans accept Dom in the Rey Mysterio mask? No. I kind of don't either. No. And I think it's also a shame. Yeah. Right? He's too iconic. And the bummer about that is you don't want to see the mask go away because of what it does mean to the Lucha history. Like, look at Blue Demon Jr. He's wearing the same exact mask as Blue Demon. I don't know who that is. Oh, it's uh, some luchas. His dad was uh, Blue Demon, and then Blue Demon Jr. took over, and he's wearing the same mask. Like, or his uncle or something. I I don't know the. It might be. It might be too far. Um, And I I think, like, business wise, I think the business is too far away to to go back to well we we don't know who's under that mask you know like even mm-hmm. Ray's run as the filthy animals and you know those clips have come out uh this week about him having the mask off for like 3 years in WCW there's it's so funny like, when these even, kids on Twitter find stuff that we've all known forever yeah yeah so funny but it's like oh that that whole stretch doesn't mean anything to like the general us, right? He's yeah. still Ray with the mask on. So that mask no longer, to me, no longer represents that that guy put a mask on. It is the character. So if that mask goes on a different body, it's just not going to mean the same thing. So, I mean, in essence, we're saying Ray Mysterio's become too Americanized and iconic in that way. You got to retire, yeah. retire the jersey. Yeah. Yeah. If he had stayed in Mexico, it's a different story. Because it's a whole other world, Lucha. It really yeah. is. The way they do everything is different. And I think that the Mexican audience would be way more accepting of that than the American audience. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Um, Justin Time does say, uh, I could see Dom being the one to continue legacy without the mask. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously he's carrying the last name Mysterio. And he'll always Here we keep go. the Phoenix stuff. Let's fantasy book this out. Dom's character work has him in a way that we we as fans know he can do the business, right? 
Yeah. Let's say he turns babyface, learns how to wrestle, all that shit. We see Dom for three years, four years do his thing. Ray comes back out. There's something we never got a chance to do. Boom. Ray, Dom's going to have to show us something that as fans, we can trust him with the mask. And if yeah. over the next couple of years, he wrestles to a, a level where we as fans can trust him with the mask, how excited does that make wrestling fans that yeah. we get to see the legacy now? I just think Dom right now is just so, so young in the business and his wrestling just isn't there that we as fans can trust him with the mask. You know what I could see him doing too is a, a Santos style. Come out with the mask on and take it off. Right. Before he goes in there. So it's it's the carrying the legacy without taking on the persona. Yeah. You know what I mean, like earning the mask in a way, but also not what if, restricting <laughs> himself to the mask. What if he, what if because he's a heel, he has a a pole with head on it, like an Al Snow yeah. head, and he puts the mask on that. And he just waves it around, and then every every time he just McIntyre's it in the corner, and he puts it. <laughs> so when he yeah. comes out, it just sits in the corner with him. <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. I know a lot of people have been having a lot of problems with it because I think that Ray isn't saying or doing enough. But I think Dom's been carrying it really well. Yes, and I think that it gets me to a place where I didn't even two weeks ago really want to see a dom versus ray match but at this point i'm definitely here for a dom versus ray match i think i think what we just did is kind of the only problem with a ray versus dom match is the way these matches would normally end is not how this one is going to end the the style of hair versus mask or the carry on the legacy or the full-on retirement like that build, that vibe, it's just not quite there. So yeah. because because of that, without really understanding where we're headed to, the the feeling of it just doesn't hit the same. But when you watch what's on TV, yeah. to your point, Dom's doing a fantastic job getting us there. Yeah. And it's all it all started from Thanksgiving. Yep. Dude, I even love when Ray went to go talk and Dom puts his hand on the mic and pushes it back down because he's not done yet. Little shit like that, too. Fucking great. Now, I do agree with you as far as the Hall of Fame goes. It would be nice and sentimental for Dom to put Ray in. But not over Conan. That's a lot more sentimental, I think, to, well, at to least, Ray's it, career. Yeah, I'm sorry. I meant, like, at least be a part of it. He Like, a positive part of what's going on. He can't, you know, even if he was a part of a video package in a positive way, but he's not going to get that opportunity because that's not where his character is. His character is going to have to like kayfabe away the appreciation he has for his dad going into the Hall of Fame. That's, yeah, that's I think in the back they're going to hug and cry and be happy about it. Yeah, think, yeah, 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 yeah. But I also yeah. do think that that video package is going to show Ray winning the champion, the tag championship with tag his son. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to show their entrances with him riding on his back. Dude, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Funny. yeah. Dude, I haven't seen too much from the. 2k23 game but i really hope there's an entrance where ray's riding on dom's back <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah conan uh he brought ray in and trained with ray when ray was like 16 and conan was in his 20s and so there was like i think i think there was a few a few like 
I think it was one of those things where like looking back, they're like, yeah, it was a little weird for an older guy to be training with the teenager at the time. But realistically, Ray was just good early and passionate early and was able to get in and Conan helped break him in. Uh, I was listening. If you guys listen to um, Pro Wrestling Spotlight with John Arezzi that I uh, I produce and, and work on, we had the very first appearance of Conan on last week. Uh, that episode is up at youtube.com slash Pro Wrestling Spotlight. In there, there's a couple clips where he mentions this young up-and-comer, Rey Mysterio Jr., and he says he's the hottest uh, rookie right now, and he was like one of their champions in AAA. Conan did a lot, a lot for Ray, and it was actually cool. I, when I was at Cauliflower Alley Club last year, they awarded Conan with an award that Ray was able to uh, induct him with, and uh, they they told some of their story there too, which was it's so deep rooted, and so much of Ray's career is is hinged on the back of Conan being as big as he was and supportive as he was at that time. That like, yeah, the fact that it's Conan feels awesome. I think it's great. Uh, let's see, as we keep it moving, keep it moving. Viking Raiders versus Braun and Ricochet. Dude, Braun and Ricochet are such a solid team now. Yeah. Did you want you to, did you see Justin's comment about Ray and uh, Dom? Oh, wait, no, I didn't yeah. see it. Let's see here. Uh, Ray just needs to do something different. He needs to just hit Dom or kick him in the nuts because it's just been the same ducking out stuff over and over. It's his son. So I could see him not wanting to kick him in the nuts the second time he talks some shit to him. I feel like that as, hey, Bishop, does your son ever talk back to you? Yeah. yeah. You beat the shit out of him right away? Uh, No, there's a little, a <laughs> little conversation first. And then the fact that he's eight, that I don't quite beat the shit out of him. <laughs> All right, I can see that. So, so you're saying that sometimes parents have to show a little restraint when their yeah. kid is misbehaving. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. Um, sure. Well, also, to Justin's point, um, do you remember who his favorite wrestler of all time is, by chance? Who, Ray? No, Justin. Justin? Isn't it Gargano? <laughs> <laughs> it's The Undertaker. And The Undertaker, he had this semi-famous storyline um, with uh, uh, Kane, right? Mm. And whether or not he would ever wrestle his brother. Yeah. I don't know if you that ever noticed. like a year. It went on for a very long time. And yeah. it culminated with them finally touching at a particular event. Um, fuck. What is it? It's, kind of, it's the Super Bowl, right? It's their Super Bowl. Uh, WrestleMania, that's right. So they did this whole thing that he's not going to hit his brother. Yeah. And then all of a sudden at WrestleMania, he ended up hitting his brother. You know what I mean? He, he had to so do So there's it. a he... chance. There's a chance that this is, you know, history repeating itself with somebody who, um, you know, Justin may or may not have an affinity for. Um, I think it's his number one. I think. I think, you know. Yeah, Just saying. His number one fucking Gargano. Speaking of uh, Conan. Yeah. Uh, the Viking Raiders versus Braun and Ricochet. Dude, yeah. Braun and Ricochet, I think, are working awesome. awesome together. Yeah. Braun is stepping away from being just a big guy prop for the little guy people he works with. Because that's been a thing. Especially, like, I mean, I hate to put Ricochet and Alexa Bliss in the same category. But they both have stood on top of him to jump off of him because he's tall. 
this was cool where Ricochet was thrown by Braun into the people, which made the dive look like so good. Justin says it's a way, way more than one time. Booyaka, booyaka. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's kind of like watching Braun wrestle is like listening to some podcasts. I do very fine by myself. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have a problem podcasting solo. There's a lot of people who can't. And yeah. when they podcast with a partner, they do so much better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what what's happening with Braun Strowman is that when he is by himself, there's only so much you can take. But when he is with Ricochet, who cares how long the match is? You get so much more personality. Honestly, Braun Strowman as a tag team wrestler, his intensity on the outside, the waiting for the hot tag, his ability to break down opponent to bring it to Ricochet, he is fantastic as, uh, as as a tag team wrestler. He knows the motions. It, I always I always felt the same about Big Cass too. Big Cass's ability to be that guy in the corner waiting for the tag, but then also breaking down an opponent for Enzo to come. Like it's there's an art form to that, and being able to watch Braun Strowman more intently and get more invested as a tag team mm-hmm. wrestler than a solo, I really do like it. I really really like it. Justin Time says it's the big guy little guy dynamic, and it works perfectly. It's not just big guy little guy. This isn't Enzo and Cass. It's close. <laughs> this is a big powerhouse with a massive high flyer. You know what I mean? Enzo was just True. a small guy. True. Yeah, there's there, honestly, there's case to be made that uh, Cass was more athletic than Enzo. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, this isn't just a big guy with a little guy. This is someone who is believably world champion, universal champion. Against someone who is arguably one of the best in-ring natural flippy-dippy guys. You know what I mean? He moves so naturally. It's the same, you know, it's the same thing with Ricochet too, though. You know, I love Ricochet and I love his matches. And a lot of them, though, are the same way. If he's against somebody who's stronger than him, he gets the shit beat out of him and he flips as he does it. And the offense, when he is winning matches, it looks kind of the same too. Yeah taking a break from their in-ring styles to focus on the next one to Justin's point, the, the big style of wrestling from Braun being cut up from the little guy wrestling of, of Ricochet, those two things mixing him in and out. It's, it's really working. It's really, really working. It's awesome. It is awesome. Uh, Speaking of not awesome at all, Charlotte Flair and Shotzi had probably the worst women's match in 20 years. It's disgusting. Dude, wasn't that like bad, bad? Like it was remarkably bad. It's it's a shame that Charlotte has fans that will defend Charlotte every time and always blame the opponent. Yep. Yeah. And yep. They they always blame the opponent. And it's it it like it hurts my feelings. Like I I I, I read that and I get a visceral reaction to the fact that Charlotte incredible she's can't do it. I can't do it. How many times can you hear, well, you know it's not Charlotte's fault. Exactly. How many times can you say that and not think that some of it can't be her fault? Like, I'm not saying this was all Charlotte fucking up, but she definitely didn't do, do her part to make it look any better. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
And yeah. she was just as bad as, as her timing as Shotzi. She looked like a rookie out there. It was bad. It was bad, bad. And everyone's still going, well, you know, it's not Charlotte. And it's like, there's only so many times I can hear that. You know what we don't hear every single match? Well, you know, it's not Becky. Because right. Becky goes out there and has killer matches. You know you know what we don't hear every week? Well, you know, it's not Bailey. Because Bailey knows how to work with anybody and make it look good. Charlotte doesn't know how to work with anybody. There's... Shotzi's already tough to work with. I'm not going to say that Shotzi was out there killing it and looking like fucking Ricky Steamboat. She struggles because I think that Shotzi tries to do too much too fast. And I think she doesn't, she doesn't get to, here's the other thing that sucks about Shotzi. That's not a Shotzi fault. She doesn't get to wrestle every single week with somebody on the live shows. We see all these pictures. Charlotte and Liv have been having a shitload of matches on the live shows. Why hasn't it been Shotzi and Charlotte on the live shows? Right. Let Shotzi get a bunch of losses in some live events against Charlotte. So when they go here and do the TV one, they've got some spots worked out. I don't know how contracts work with facilities and all that stuff. And I know that there's time that they have to spend to uh, put up the ring and take the ring down. But the fact that house shows aren't like six hours long, so we can watch more people wrestle or these people get this opportunity to wrestle more and more and more. It's a shame. It's a shame. Or to 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 your point, if you're going to be on SmackDown against Charlotte Flair, then instead of and not be on the live shows, get sent to Tampa, go to the WWE hotel or WWE should get a fucking hotel. They got those condos down there that everyone seems to stay in. They stay in a place where you can wrestle for the entire week because you're going to be with Charlotte. You know, it's but I think there's more. it's not just Charlotte, but it's anyone. It's anyone. I think it's more to it than that. I think she needs to be wrestling Charlotte. If you know you're going to have a Charlotte well, TV too, yeah. match, yeah. wrestle with Charlotte for yeah. at least two or three matches beforehand to yeah. get some timing down. Razor yeah. versus Shawn Michaels in the ladder match was so good because it was the 250th time they had had a match. Yes. It just none of them were on TV. You know? There's yeah. a chemistry it, you got to pick up bad. with people, but... Yeah, that was it. Was bad. I, I didn't want to go on about it too much. It was. Nothing I, I just right. pulled up the spot. So, I actually, mm. I had to rewind it a, a few times to one to show the misses, and then as I was talking to her, uh, the kid goes, "Well, what's wrong?" It's the spot I, I just clicked on it as I was rewinding. Yeah. Charlotte takes Shotzi to the middle rope for the oh springboard God, yeah. into the Hurricane Rana. When she comes down for the head scissors, the or the the Hurricane Rana with the head scissors. The camera is panned right on the bump. Mm-hmm. Shotzi comes through, and Charlotte literally does a front roll where she tucks mm-hmm. her arm and shoulder to roll through. Then she sells her back. Instead of doing, as wrestling fans know in jargon, a flat back bump to sell this hurricane run. She doesn't take a bump. She rolls mm-hmm. through the, the motion of it. It is fucking pathetic. It is pathetic. Yeah, you just there's nothing like there's so much timing off that was like it's bad man. I couldn't tell who was waiting on who half the time, but it just it looked like two rookies. Look, this is NXT's got better women's matches if you want to see a good women's match. Uh, I just I just rewinded again. It's not even it's a fucking somersault. She -hmm. comes through the 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 head scissors and she puts her hands down to touch. Then tucks her head and rolls through on her back. She does a yeah. fucking somersault. Yeah. 
She rolls all the way through to her feet, so there is no impact to the mat. She doesn't hit with her elbows and smack the mat to show that she took pain from this. It's fucking pathetic. She gives yeah. nothing to her opponents. Nothing. Nothing at all. Yeah. Uh. Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn beat the shit out of the Usos because that's what they get for being dicks, for turning their backs on Sami. No, I do think that we still are. I think there's more to it. I do think that Jay is doing all this because don't forget how we started this. This started in Hell in a Cell a thousand days ago. With Jay looking at Roman and screaming, I hate you. And then I quit to save his brother. No matter how much Jay hates Roman, he will not let his brother take the fall. I think, A, Roman knows that. And that's why he said, if Jay doesn't come through, I don't blame Sammy. I don't blame Jay. I blame Jimmy. Because he knows how this started as well. He knows the only way to get Jay to fall in line is to take out Jimmy because Jay will not let him suffer. And I feel that that moment where he squeezes Jimmy's shirt right before he goes to Sammy is the moment that he's basically saying, I, I, he's almost reminding himself, Jimmy cannot take this fall. There's that hug with Sammy. He whispers, Sammy gives us look like what? And he says, I trust you fucking kicks him i do think that all of this is to protect jimmy and i think that when jay can get jimmy to be by his side for nothing and he even said during that thing this is family he's my twin he never said anything about roman yep he just kept saying this is about me and jimmy this is me and jimmy i'm doing this for jimmy which i think is all true he is doing this all for jimmy and if that means he's got to fight with sammy for a bit before he can get jimmy away from from roman but I think that's what happens. I still think that there's, I think at Mania, I think you see the Usos walk away from Roman. I don't know if they're going to full on turn and beat the shit out of him or anything, but I think that they're going to be there somehow and they're not going to help. That the turn's going to be a little more subtle, you know? I, I can I can see something like that. The only, the only thing to poke through that is then why the attacks of Sammy and Cody on the Usos. What do you mean? Like you, you, you're giving validity to, um, you're giving validity to Sammy and Jay being on the same page for the sake of Jimmy. No, but Sammy's not on the same page as Jay. Yeah, but you're, I don't think you're retaliation. Yeah, I don't think Sammy's on the same page as Jay. Okay, I think Jay is doing this against Sammy because it's the only way to facilitate this. And I feel that whatever he whispered to Sammy, cause Sammy didn't look like he was nodding in agreement. He looked like what the fuck, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's this whole, I trust you. And then I think it whispers something as simple as trust me. He's like, what? And then he gets fucking kicked in the face. Fuck you, dude. What do you mean? Trust you. You kicked me in the face. And I think that Jay theoretically is, we're going to have to fight for a while. You know what I mean? Like it's not, Hey, we're on the same page. It's sorry. This this is what we have to do, but we're both fighters and it's going to be fine in the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. You know, it's the devil's in the details, right? Like, yeah, Jimmy, 
Jimmy has this air about him that the bloodline's still strong because I got Jay back. But to your point, Jay's not talking about the bloodline. He's talking about the, the Usos. The we the ones pointing to the sky wasn't a bloodline thing. Roman goes, okay, we can use that all. It's an Usos thing. Mm-hmm. And they wear they wear we the ones Uso shirts. Jimmy's got the bloodline hat on, but what is Jay doing to represent the bloodline? He's standing next to Jimmy. Yep. But where's the where's all the red? You know, where's where's his connection to the bloodline? He's done it every time he comes out. He's showing you I'm an Uso. You know, I'm Jay Uso yeah. tag team champion. Yep. One of the best tag team champions of all time. And that's not going anywhere because Jimmy is my 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 brother, my partner, my best friend. That's my guy. So yep. I, I'm with you. I think the devil in the devil in the details is this is an Usos staying together thing. This is where Jimmy is. I'll protect Jimmy. Here we go. Yep. Yep. I just keep thinking about that. I hate you. Yeah. Crying. Yeah. I think we got but why, I think we had a lot of fun. Hm. So let me ask you this. Can let's let's dip in and out of kayfabe is is ko not wanting to be there this important for cody to be there like what the fuck does cody have to do with this like uh, at a kayfabe in kayfabe however you want to put it i personally feel like they're trying to rub sammy off on cody to get more of a build i just don't see it i don't see why cody has to step into Sammy's business with the bloodline when the bloodline didn't step into Cody because they were fractured when Roman and Cody met face to face. And even when Cody said some shit, you know, Roman dismissed them. So why, why is Cody stepping to the Usos on Sammy's behalf? I think for two reasons, I think the non kayfabe is they definitely don't want people chanting for Sammy during a Cody match against Roman. So you have to show that Cody and Sammy are on the same page. So you can say, this is our guy to do this thing. He's got Sammy's blessing. It's okay. I think it's the psychology of that. So I do think there's a big Sammy rub happening here. But I also think that in kayfabe, Roman has forever told the Usos to take care of his problems. And Solo, take care of the problems. And then once it's, if you couldn't take care of it, then now I got to step in and take care of it. Cody's trying to just nip that in the butt. He's not trying to have himself just get jumped by the by the bloodline week after week after week and be weak by the time he gets there. He's trying to get ahead of it, you know. And he trusts Sammy to do it. You know what I mean? And his whole thing with KO. I like that backstage thing last week. They didn't really like delve too much more into it this week, but I liked it last week. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, it's the if you're going to defeat Roman, you have to take the bloodline out first because Roman However you want to cut it, heel, villain, cheats to win. A lot of times, he's got the bloodline there to help with that, to help facilitate that. Because the need for him to be the champion was the big thing, right? I'm the tribal yeah. chief, head of the table. Yep. yep. Cody's just trying to take out all factors. So at the end of the day, it's him versus Roman one-on-one. Yeah, it just... Uh... I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll say this for what you just said, they are, they are making sense of what's on TV. If that's delivered as well, that mm-hmm. I'm here to make sure that you guys aren't a factor. 
The only problem I have with that, and I've had this problem with everyone that steps to Roman. When the Usos step out of the ring and run up the ramp, what's the first thing that happens? They get hit with one fucking punch and they go down. Yeah, they go down. You're the greatest tag team of all time. You don't need to only be that when the bell rings during a tag match. You should kind of be that when you're running out of the ring towards the guy that's coming down the ramp. So I'm tired of them getting punked out in non-tag team matches. It's a really interesting dynamic they they pull off with them where they're kind of goons who take one clothesline over the top and then they're out for 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then in a match, they'll take four or five hits in a row and keep coming, you know? Right. Right. They're one. I mean, yeah, I, they pulled it off better than I think anyone could, but yeah, it's weird. It's weird for sure. It's one of those, I'm not ready to wrestle. That's why you got me now that we're ready to wrestle. We're the greatest of all time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's interesting and it's weird. Uh, let's talk some Raw. I thought that overall it was okay, but there was a lot of weirdness in here for no reason. Um, but I didn't hate it by any means. There was some great stuff going on in here. Uh, let's start with how it started, though, if you're okay with that. You ready to move on? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Edge came out, talks a little bit. Finn Balor comes out with the Judgment Day, talks a little bit. Now we're going to get Finn Balor versus Edge at Mania, even though we're already going to get it. Now we're doubly getting it. I thought it was really good on both parts, to be honest. Finn Balor is working with the Judgment Day so fucking well. The way he like naturally, like the way that he, the way he incited Dom for no reason. Dom, do you hear this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? Just because he knows that people will be annoyed if he was buddies with Dom, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I didn't like or appreciate or give too many shits that Cargano and Dexter had to come out, but they did to even yeah. the odds. Furthermore, Gargano takes a drop kick to the outside and is gone for the next eight minutes. Not only was it a drop kick to the outside, much as you described Charlotte taking a role. So did Johnny. Johnny didn't take a bump. He rolled through it and then laid down. Rolled through it so much that he was ready to stand up and had to roll back down to fall over. It looked like like dog shit. And then, to protect Johnny, Dexter Loomis takes the pin here. Because of everyone in this match, Dexter Loomis is the weakest? The fuck. But Judgment Day wins, and so that's fine. But I don't know why we're protecting Johnny Gargano at all costs. I just don't. Yeah, that was the fear um, a couple weeks ago. I forgot who it was. He wrestled someone strong, and I was like, oh, my God, is Johnny going to win here? And he, and he actually took the loss. Um, I, don't, I don't remember who that match was. It's Might have been it's all been kind of – I don't know. But, yeah, it's, it's all kind of blurring together with him. I mean, I sent you that – uh, that article that had yeah. uh, Conan quoted as, you know, just listen to the fucking crowd, man. And we've been saying it since episode one for weeks, yeah. man. Like he's not, I, I, you know, I made fun of him. He comes out, he does this. Who are you looking for? Well, now, you know, if you noticed, he does it a lot less. He does yeah. a lot less now. You know, he, he's not doing this as often, you know, and it's, uh, it's bad. It's bad is yeah. what it is. It's just not working. And look, he went down to NXT and he got the reaction that 
he should get on the main roster based off of his NXT cachet. But yeah. that's your perfect example that NXT cachet does not translate to the main roster. It's the the Piper Niven effect. You know, it you have to present them on TV so it gets grabbed to us. To your point, it's happening more and more with Cody since the Rumble than it ever did beforehand that Cody is presented to us in a way that this is who you're cheering for, this is why you're cheering, and it's not happening with Gargano. I, I would absolutely love it if he goes back to NXT and stays there. He gets a reaction. His his work looks better there. He fits in better there. He sounds better there. I, it's just it's not working on, on the main roster. It's just not. It's not working at all. And he was doing a bunch of goofy shit in the match, too. Like when Damian Priest tags in and then he tries to have this moment where he's staring at Damian Priest and looking into the crowd, and then he looks over at Dexter, and you're like, you're feeding off of nothing, and you're trying right. to pander and getting no response. Like, just drop it, dude. Like, then he goes to tag Dexter and has to do this whole fucking. <laughs> like, no one's, no one cares. Who's that for? Dude. Yeah, who's who that for? You doing that for? Yeah, uh, I absolutely think that he should go back to NXT and just be a once in a while thing. Like, I don't even think he should have a full run in NXT, to be honest. I think he should go there and help with their training and help people do stuff in the ring and do special spots from time to time like HBK's got him doing now. And 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 it's the least excited I've ever been for a Waller match. But, you know, here we go. Yeah, I mean, if he did, if he did what Solo Sokoa did before he got called up, that would be a great usage for him. That Dolph yeah. spot, that, that believable contender, you know, the one yeah. who who might win this match but doesn't, that'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, especially if he's forced to make his opponents look good and not get his spots in, it'd be a really interesting way to to see Gargano wrestle. Yep. Yeah. I actually agree with Blue Boyd here. Trade Waller for Gargano. Yeah, give, give Gargano the win here and have HBK say, you know what, you're fired from NXT. Right. And then just have Waller show up the next fucking night on fucking Raw, you know? Let's yep. do it. Um, I would love it. Even if he's got to eat the stupid pin from Gargano, I would be fine with it if it means that we get Waller on the main roster. Uh, to catch up a little bit on the on some of the chat, uh, Justin did say earlier about Cody sees the Usos uh, are the barricades needs to get to get by to get to Roman, uh, and Sammy and Kevin are his allies because they all have the same focus and the bloodline. Uh, yep, and he's hoping that Judgment Day Demon Balor at WrestleMania. Uh, that'd be cool. Um, if I get real quick, I get the feeling that it might be coming. Uh, I know Finn Balor has said in the past that it's kind of it's kind of um, the HBK of it all. Like there's a growth here where we may not see the demon, yeah, because of where Balor is at. But I think this particular feud is trending there that we may not see it in Mania at Hell in a Cell, even though Hell in a Cell is a blow off there might be potential for another pay-per-view down the line where Balor is so sick of Edge that he needs to put Edge out. And yep. that would come through the Demon. And I would think that would be fucking incredible. That would be dope. That would be dope. Uh, but just in time, does say Gargano is literally DOA on the main roster. The main roster crowd just isn't invested in him like the NXT crowd is. Yep. And I even, I even said... you got to give them the reason to, though. You have to give them the reason. And Gargano they think has they the did. inability. They think I they get, did with the Elimination Chamber. 
hear what you're saying. I feel like the Elimination Chamber was all built around this is going to make the crowd love Gargano. And Montez. And Montez. And to me, the big takeaway I took was, God damn, Damian Priest and Bronson are so good. You know what I mean? Like, you can sit there and say, look at these fireworks over here. Look at this. Look at this. Pay no mind to the man behind the curtain. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, you go, wait, that's a rainbow over there. You know what I mean? Like, that's fucking dope. You're like, I thought Bronson and and Damian were the big standouts, but I thought the whole match was set to do it. And I even thought it was funny. I saw a, a clip that came across my timeline of Gargano on Busted Open where he was trying to talk about how, um, everything just takes time and it's about building equity. And he was like, I feel like the elimination chamber, I really, I had to show up or I had to show out and he goes, and I feel like I did that. And he goes, it's just going to take time for the the crowd to take to me like they did in NXT. And I was like, mm. I think that you did everything you could in elimination chamber to make that a reality. And I don't think that they ultimately that it carried over. I think it yeah. was in that moment and that night. And I think that's the big difference that you hear a lot of people talk about old school people and wrestlers when they, when they critique the new nowadays stuff, it's, are you, is the move over or are you over? It's, it's AJ Styles giving John Cena credit when he started wrestling in WWE, that there's a way to wrestle in WWE that doesn't devalue who you are as a performer, but actually elevates your ability to connect with the crowd. And not having that presence is affecting someone like a Johnny who, like he just said, it's going to take time for the crowd. I have to build equity with the crowd to gravitate to me. But that's not what you have to do. You have to go connect with the crowd. You have to find a way to bring the crowd to you. You don't just keep doing your thing and the more we see you, we're going to all of a sudden like it. You have to tweak who you are to get the crowd to come to you. And that, that was my thing. Again, my thing with Cody, like stop telling the same story. Give me some type of thing to grab onto because your story that my dad didn't do it. So I should, that doesn't mean anything to me. I loved his dad as a performer, but the more Cody is there, the more Cody is doing things. You can get that equity in the story that makes you believe, but what Johnny does does not hit. And what Johnny does also doesn't change. That's a problem. Johnny not adjusting is the problem. I think Johnny is a perfect example of when you listen to the crowd when they're chanting, we want tables. It's almost like, well, we don't care about the characters, so we just want to see the train wreck, right? Right. Uh, It's when you're listening to the crowd and giving the crowd what they want, and in your mind, it's this big flashy move, and then you get the big holy shit moment of the move but not of the person. It's the difference between Roman Reigns getting a massive reaction for a small thing or the difference of that pop that Sammy got hitting Roman with the back of a chair, not because he was using a chair, but because he turned that pop versus the, the, this is awesome chance in elimination chamber because these guys were flipping and flying. Those moves are over. The excitement is over, but is your character over? And the answer is like, no, you've done very little to get people invested in you because all you think that, you got to do is all those moves. And that's kind of like, I mean, I think even the young bucks talk about that with the killing the business thing, the book they had and all that. Like there is a reality to, are you over or is the high spot over? You know what I mean? 
Yeah. And I think yeah. I think Argano's kind of a perfect example of that. That yeah, he can get that reaction when he does those high spots. But that's because it's the high spot. It's not because it's you. Well, I'm not the, wording it as well as those vets word it because, you know, they're vets. For me, I you you we've said this as several times in episode 1, especially you. I can see great wrestling all the time, right? But how many pay-per-views do you leave the main event with the inability to hear sound of 20,000 people? Yeah. Do you want to hear this is awesome after Johnny Gargano does 12 super kicks and his DDT move in Hell in a Cell? Or do you want to not hear anything because you just witnessed one of the greatest matches of all time? Yeah. You know, that ending to Elimination Chamber, I will never forget. But the ending yeah. of what John, anything Johnny did in Elimination Chamber, the, the chamber itself, I don't even fucking remember anymore. Yeah, I don't remember his moves that he did there. But I you know? think about the Sammy stuff all the time. That, that match just, was so epic. I had to watch it again. Like, that's how much it, yeah. an imprint it left. Yeah. It, there's, there's an art to this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the problem is I think that NXT Black and Gold was also very, very hinged on the idea of, of it's about the false finishes and the high spots. Story be damned and stories there and it's sprinkled in, but it's the matches that tell the story, right? Like kind of Roman, Sammy, Cody are all perfect examples of the story can get you there, you know, and then you're going to get the reaction before you even do a thing. Like Scott Hall said to some guys backstage, I forget the, the, the people he was talking about. And I, if I remember correctly, I believe it was X-Pac told the story on his podcast. And I don't even think he remembered who was in the ring, but there was like some luchas out there who were doing a million things and when they came back, Scott was the next spot up, and he's all like, uh, great job, guys. Uh, you went 100 miles an hour. Watch me go get a bigger reaction from a headlock. And walk walked yeah. out there. Yeah, yep. And that's the difference between being over and being exciting to watch. There's a huge difference between a move set being over and you being over. Uh, Blue Boy does say uh, about Gargano, I don't care about his damn kid or that he's married. <laughs> I don't know why they think that's interesting if I don't know him, which is also true. That's his whole character at this point. Hey, Candace, your your husband is Gargano. Hey, Gargano, your wife is Candace. Hey, you guys have a kid. Oh, well, look, I'm a dad. And you're like, okay, a lot of the people we see on TV are parents. Why are you suddenly special because you're a parent, you know? That's not apparent to me. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, let's see. As we keep going through there, almost and Brock Lesnar had a had a bit of a spat. I do like that the crowd. Here's another thing. The crowd started chanting "Holy shit!" at almost and Brock Lesnar standing side by side or face to face. I should say. Because it was the anticipation. I think that also highlights, because I'd mentioned it before, Raj Giri making sense of why we have almost versus Brock Lesnar. Well, this is why. Because you have two big boys, and we know Brock Lesnar to be massive. He is the alpha male, right, of our species, as as Pat McAfee says. But having them them face-to-face -face and seeing just how big almost is in comparison to Brock was a sight. And I think I even liked how almost did the whole fist to Brock's face and Brock even responding. I thought appropriately to that, just being like, you oh, know, that's big. It's a big hand. 
they did sort of mess up the over the top thing and i a yeah. lot of people are really fucking hammering that as a problem i didn't find it that big of a problem if i'm being it's honest. one of brock's weaknesses going over the top yeah it's one of brock's weaknesses for sure he's never yeah. close enough to the ropes and he doesn't get that lift you know yeah. it's just one of his weaknesses it's a brock yeah. thing for sure yeah and to be honest, the struggle, but the but the almost getting him over, I actually kind of liked. Because it shows almost trying to knock him over, and it jars Brock to where he almost goes over. And then it looks like almost goes, you know what, fuck it, I'll throw you over. You know what I mean? Like, if you can live outside of we're really smart fans yeah. here, and I know what yeah. it's supposed to be, well, what did it look like? It looked like almost hitting Brock, Brock not yeah. going over, and then almost going, fuck it, I'm going to toss you over. That's what it looked like if you're just watching a TV show, but when you're really fucking smart and you go, <laughs> they botched it, they botched it. Well, then maybe you've ruined the spot for yourself. But when I watched it, I was all like, oh shit, he didn't go over. Oh shit, almost chucked him over. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a little hard to disconnect because we've seen Omos not really be fluid yet so i was more on that i was like okay here goes almost not really uh performing again but you know then again i remembered the brock of it where it it truly is one of his weaknesses getting knocked over the top rope so for sure um you know and and gunther's a guy too gunther doesn't like to go over the top rope backwards so when he gets hit he does the you know the pommel horse of it you know he kind of like hops over one leg and then the next he did you know belly first he never likes to go back or shoulder first something yep. i noticed at the rumble every time he was getting knocked over it's like oh i gotta turn around and put my leg over first and so you know wrestlers have their different comfortabilities brock has a tough one going over the top rope i didn't think mm -hmm. it was that big of a deal me neither but we saw it all directly on camera so it was tough it was tough you know i i won't i won't do the work that you did to cover it up but it also wasn't as big a deal that people made it to be. It wasn't that big of a deal because if you watch it, they played through it well. Nothing nothing wrong happens on live TV, right? It's all about how you cover it. And we talked about right. that, I think, with Carmella and Bianca. They work so well together that there's a couple spots you go, did Carmella just save Bianca? Or was it supposed to look like that? Right. If you're good, you can step away from, I'm so smart, I know what it's supposed to look like, and just the like just an, a normal person watching tv like a normal human might you'd go oh shit he had a hard time getting go. brock over but he got him you know what i mean <laughs> like realistically yeah, sure. it's fucking brock sure. lesnar you think you could knock brock lesnar over the top with one go no but that's how it should have been portrayed and i didn't want no. to fill in those blanks this is how it was portrayed and you don't fill in the blank i'll fill in your fucking face <laughs> Uh, let's see a couple more things. Uh, so yeah, Brock and almost going to be dope. It also is kind of funny when you think about it, Brock, not wanting to work with certain people, but really seemingly excited to work with almost. I think a lot of people see a lot in almost that the fans don't see. Undertaker said he's the closest thing that we've had to an Andre the giant since Andre the giant. And Undertaker's worked with every person they thought would be Andre the giant. So I think that's something almost as good, I think. Uh, let's see. Oh, Street Profits backstage with Austin Theory. It was bad. I, it, it was bad. 
It was bad, dude. Was now, here's bad. the deal. I also thought Theory ate them up. Yes. Which I thought was good. I was like, yeah. He was dressing them down. Montez tries so hard to be a clown that it distracts from the whole thing. I don't know why. They're trying so hard to put over Dawkins. They really are. And I think it's because they really want to split them up. And I think that everyone there has known Dawkins for so long. This is what comes across on TV to me. Dawkins was in NXT for like eight years. He was he watched everyone come and go. And he was the practice mat for a while. Like I believe there's a story where Alexa Bliss was practicing her twisted bliss. And he was the one who had to lay there and take a thousand twisted bliss. <laughs> Which is cool. Fuck. But she's been champion fucking four times over now. And I hear you. Yeah. I hear I you. And I tell you. Is, I think he's beloved backstage because I bet you he's yeah. the nicest. You know what? I've met him. He was very nice. I'm meeting Montez. Really cool. And he looks yeah. like a star when you meet him. And he talks to you in a way that you're just kind of like, man, I'm so lucky to be able to meet this guy. But then he gets on right. TV and you go, what a goof. But not like a good, not like Otis is a goof. You go, this guy doesn't get it kind of goof. So this came across like we love Dawkins so much that we're going to invest all this time into getting people to like Dawkins before we split them up. Because we feel like if we split them up now, Montez will be fine and Dawkins will not. That's what this all feels like. Go yeah, I can see that. And I think I think you can actually do the same thing after you break them up. Like, had they broken them up already, they can do the same thing with Dawkins are doing now. Because when they do break him up, he's going to need a different direction. It's not going to be Street Profit Montez does this and Street Profit Dawkins does that. They're going to be different characters. They'll yeah. still be Montez and Dawkins, but they're going to be different personas. So why not build this equity in Montez as a different character as opposed to Street Profit number two? Because he's yeah. still Street Profit number two. So to your point, if this is a good guy getting a chance to get better, I'm all for it, right? I think yeah. that's maybe something that you do kind of sour on because you you don't – or you look past because you're sour on Dawkins, which is fun. Yeah. We all have wrestlers we don't enjoy watching their presentation. Maybe that's where the value in Dawkins will be. He's getting a bit better in the ring. He's, he's taking less um, less cartoony spots in the ring. So if he gets a fluidity and a different character presentation, then there's a chance that he's a viable asset on TV. Not everyone's a superstar. Not everyone's a, a value of The Miz. Not everyone's a value of Dolph Ziggler. Not everyone's a value of even Chad Gable. Where was Chad Gable five years ago? Besides one of the best tag team wrestlers of all time. Now yeah. he's in a, in a spot where he had to groom himself. So his catchphrases are over. His backstage is over. His wrestling ability is fucking top notch. If we have a chance to get a presentation of Dawkins that's similar to a presentation of Chad Gable, where Chad Gable went from, fuck, man, they got to do something for him, too. Awesome, Chad Gable's on TV. If we can get that with Dawkins, where instead of, fuck, here's Dawkins, too, oh, cool, Dawkins is on TV. If we can just get a, oh, cool, mm -hmm. Dawkins is on TV, that's a win. Yeah. Because you yeah, don't want to change think... the channel. And I do think you can split them up, and to Justin's point, 
a new day that shit. He goes, really wish they would just abandon the thought of Street Profits breaking up. Just have them be like the new day where they get singles running and don't break up. Splitting up and breaking up is different, right? Like, we're not saying that Montez got to turn on Dawkins or vice versa. But they got to go their separate ways at a certain point. And like I said, with the Elimination Chamber, I thought that was your ticket. That was your golden ticket for Montez to say I was this close and I got a taste of it. And Dawkins, I need you to support me in my run on this. I got to go get it. And Dawkins to be like, of course I support you. And then you have a backstage like this where Dawkins is being, a you know, they're hanging out. Not that they're going to have a match tonight, but they're hanging out. Theory comes over. Instead of Theory saying, I'm going to pick on you first, you have Montez being like, we don't need to worry about this. Dawkins, if you want, you can have him, whatever. You know what I mean? And then Dawkins is like, yeah, 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 I'm going to take him. You know what I mean? Like have Montez build him up and say, yeah, you do that. But also have Montez have a different match that has nothing to do with the story. You know what I mean? Start to show that they're separated without them having a break, you know? Uh. Just as the men's tag division doesn't need to be like the women's tag division where they just whittle down to nothing. Yeah, there's no women's tag division. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, we'll keep it moving a little bit. Otis, Maximum Male Models, Chad Gable, like you said. I'm having fun with it. And I think it's funny. I do wonder what's the long term for Chad Gable. Because obviously he's being split from that. Yeah. And when when are we going to get the payoff with Otis like, okay, he got the money in the bank and that was highly disrespected by a lot of fans online. Yeah. But what has Otis done that we haven't gravitated to as fans? He's consistent. Like he's captivating. He's an app, not just for his size, but his personality, his, the way he's on TV, his ad libs. When, when he was with heavy machinery, he was the a, he was absolutely the A. He drove that tag team to the point where, unfortunately, Tucker's not a part of WWE anymore. That's how good he was, right? It gets with Gable, and he's the B. And his ad-libs are what helps Gable become the star. You know? Yeah. The, the oh, yeah. You know, uh, you know all everything he did behind it. Now, he is soaking in what this model thing is. And he's doing his every movement he does is perfection so what when do we get the wrestling payoff yeah with otis when is he going to be the ic champion you know when is he gonna when is he gonna have that level of in-ring success and that's what kind of sucks to me about this is it takes him steps away from that where i felt like him with chad gable was really showing him as like oh he look he's more intense he's more serious but still a little goofy because you can't help hide that right so it gave him a character, but like a purpose. So I really thought that we were in a way where Chad could have coached him to a title, like a U.S. title. And now we're getting further and further away from that. We're now it's all like, well, if he's comic relief, he's comic relief, you know? And it's at the wrong time, too, because they're a tag team that was put together as this is Otis's new monster personality. And this is why, right? He was a non-speaking, uh, over-the-top monstrous heel right and then gable was the the voice of calculation as to why and then it became arrogance and then it got so big they baby faced together yeah yeah now that they've baby faced uh, that pop for them to win the tag titles we don't get that they don't get that the ability to have them on tv as 
you know, this is how hard work pays off. This is why going to school benefits you. Like it go from I'm better than you, smarter than you. I'm a doctor to school pays off. Hard work yeah. pays off. Education pays off. Like that's, you know, and that's, that story doesn't get to be told. No, now it's uh it doesn't pay off, but you could become an influencer with the right but it's fun. Uh, and that's what yeah. Otis does. He brings you fun. So that's true. It's never a bad deal, bad deal to see Otis on TV. You always like him. Uh, Cody Rhodes versus LA Knight. So I like what I like about this. This was kind of interesting. I just realized the picture they have of Cody doing this kick looks like both his legs are broken. I'm going to take a screenshot of that because it's the, insane how his legs move. Just take a picture of his legs looking both broken. Uh, so rumor was, and I don't know if it's rumor because he said it in an interview or not, but the rumor was that Cody wanted LA Knight, formerly Eli Drake and AEW, and it didn't work out. What I do know to be true is right after his impact contract expired or he quit or whatever it was, they broke. That was right before double or nothing, just a week or two before. And being at StarCast, I remember watching Eli Drake come in walk around go to the back you start seeing them kind of like showing up and talking to a lot of the evps and you could tell there was some schmoozing and conversations happening because i remember watching somebody going like oh shit we might get eli drake in AEW," and nothing came of it on screen obviously they had conversations right i don't know where or when or how or why any of it broke down but it was only a couple years later a year or two later he showed up was it even a full year no, it was like a No, it wasn't. It was a couple months. Yeah. Yeah, just a few months, six months maybe. He shows up in NXT. He's LA Knight. Boom, here we go. Pandemic, all that. It's cool to see Cody publicly ask for a match against Gable and then also ask for a match against LA Knight because also rumor was that Cody wanted Gable in AEW if his contract ever came up, right? So Cody being able to work with the guys he wants to work with and showcase them in the way that he has, I think it's pretty fucking cool. And I think it's really neat for LA Knight because he's a SmackDown guy to be able to come over here and have this match here. And I thought LA Knight looked great here. Okay. You didn't think the match was good? I was bored as fuck, man. You're an idiot. I Hey, call it what you want. It could be a terrible wrestling take if you want, but maybe we have to watch that match together. But I was fucking bored. It's because bored. you decided a while ago that you weren't going to like Cody. And you decided a while ago that you weren't going to like LA Knight. And it's been pretty apparent in all of your takes as give me something new. And then when he gives you something new, you go, nah, not new enough, not different enough. You decided before this match started, that this was going to be a boring match you wouldn't like. And you didn't allow yourself to watch it. That's I watched Charlotte and Sh and Shotzi with open eyes and no, saw. You didn't. <laughs> you watched it, it for what it like was. I did, and it was fucking trash. And I'm not saying this was trash. It was. I was just bored. I was bored, and so was the fucking crowd. So I don't know what to tell you. I think you were bored because it was just a really good wrestling match and not a dripping with story concept. Especially when it As comes to Cody, who's all story. 
Right, I, and I, I'll, I can give you that. If there wasn't enough meat on the bone before they gave us dinner, that's that's okay. I was bored, so that was my that was my take on the match. It was fucking boring. Oh, hold on, hold on. We got Justin Time in the chat. He goes, "Don't get me wrong, a Ricky Starks and LA Knight match and dueling promos would be awesome, but having a Night WWE just continues to feel so right." Yeah, dude. And he's getting a bigger and better reaction than fucking Starks is getting right now, too. And that's not to shit on Starks. It's to say it's crazy how LA Knight's been able to get the crowd on his side. Right. He's, he's LA Knight, like we, t- we just talked about LA Knight on SmackDown, right? He, he mm-hmm. comes to the ring. He washes out the guys there. Cool. And he's doing a good job. He, he in, the, in his presentation lately, has been better. I'm okay with that. When I watch the match and I'm just watching these guys do the thing and it doesn't it doesn't bite for me, then hey, it was boring. I went on to tell you, I was bored. It's because you wanted to be bored from the get go. <laughs> what do you think about the John Cena Austin Theory stuff? Um I think John Cena came out too hot, but to your point, I thought Austin Theory's promo against the Street Profits was a fantastic way to come out of what happened to him the week before with John Cena. So um, that recovery by theory was good. I don't mind it. It's a year past when everyone else said it was going to happen and it's happening now. So everyone who says they called it was all speculation last year anyway, when people said it. So it's not really calling it. Yeah. Um, But I'm, I'm cool with it. I would actually like to see Cena win uh, because this is theory's best job so far as a character on the microphone. And it came with him losing and then regaining so if he loses and wants to prove to Cena that he could whoop his ass and they get Cena to go to Puerto Rico and we have backlash, that'd be fucking awesome. So um, that'd be cool. I, yeah. So Cena, Cena coming out so hot in, you're not built for this. I'm better than you. All this shit. He really cut him down the way Paul Heyman says, don't cut down your opponent to where if Cena loses, it's going to be a big problem. Well, I mean, Cena's whole point was if you, if you lose to me, you lose everything. If you win against me, you lose everything because you're going to have to stand on your own. I felt like John Cena was just echoing what a lot of people have said about theory. And I feel like the story is John Cena being that voice of everyone else and theory being able to hang with them because he didn't feel out of place. He didn't feel like he he was completely unable to do to 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 stand toe to toe to John, it just felt like he was saying a lot of really harsh things, and theory stood his ground but played it safe. Right. I don't know. I think that if I mean, I think either way, theory just has to have a good after the match. You know what I mean? And maybe in the match they tell a good story where Cena fucking becomes a believer. You know what I mean? Because it's like no one buys into theory theoretically. This could be the thing that does it. I don't know. I don't know. I'm all right with it. Well, and we I, only got one, right? We only got one yeah. so far. So there'll be another yeah. one. There'll be another face-to-face. And in that one, you know, instead of it being 95-5 to, you know, Cena's, you know, crushing of theory, it'll be more 60-40 next time. You know, and theory will yeah. have something to say that'll make John think. And then as we get to WrestleMania, it'll be a, a, a whole other story. And then cut to... The Monday after WrestleMania, let's say Theory does win, you'll have John Cena out there with the handshake. After the handshake, you'll get a fucking eight down down and you know all that good shit. So this definitely could play out both ways. I don't mind it. 
I just thought Cena coming out that hot. I was like, fuck, man. Like, you, you got to give the kids something to breathe, you know? I don't know. I felt like it was really by design. I feel like they wanted people to walk away thinking that Cena ate him up. That was what I thought because it this did not play out like Roman and Cena. Right. Where you watch it and you're starting to feel bad for Roman because you're like, man, Roman is really struggling. I didn't ever feel like Theory was struggling. I felt like he was playing it real safe, which I think is what well, they did. Yes. But- I definitely, no, I definitely felt like they played it safe. I felt like that they didn't let, they didn't let Theory out on the plank. You know what I mean? They didn't make him, you know, they didn't hang him out the dry. They just yeah. let him soak it in. Hey, this is his turn. And then the comeuppance, like I said, like they showed he can stand on his own in front of the Street Profits. He ate the Street Profits up. So the thing is, John Cena is really good at cutting deep. You know, yes. can, can he on the fly? Like when, uh, when Cena and Roman were going back and forth, the thing that definitely won me over on Roman and told me that everyone else was wrong, Cena goes, and you can't even finish getting dressed. You got to fly down. You know, and then Roman's response was, "Remember, I busted it. Remember, big dog. You know, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. so in that moment, Cena can go off script, cut you, and then you can come back on top of that with the one up, done. You, you're, yeah. you're in the boat now. Can Theory do that same thing? Yeah, that's what we need to see on the next one or two. Uh, Bronson Reed and Elias. Man, Elias getting his ass handed to him. I like Bronson looking dope, though. I do. I don't understand what they're doing with Boogs. That was kind of my takeaway on it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why Boogs needs to take notes. He was just as over as anyone else before he got hurt. And the move he was performing when he got hurt was one of the things that kept him over, you know? Yep. Just showing his strength like that. So not not being able to perform the way he used to, um, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, Theory beat the shit out of Angelo Dawkins, which was nice because uh, I think that means he's going to beat the shit out of Montez Ford, and I'm excited about Montez Ford taking <laughs> out. Mm. Mysterio refused Dominic again. I'm okay with it still. Uh, oh, the Baron Corbin Rollins stuff. Where do you think we're going with Corbin? This is when Corbin kind of does his best stuff. You know, can't catch a break, Corbin. Yeah. You know, it's like, guys, I just, I just need to catch a break. Just to your point, the fear of it is this is his best stuff. He's a fantastic wrestler. He's so good at wrestling. Just let the fucking guy wrestle and get an opportunity to continue to win. And he doesn't get that. And the fact that he hasn't gotten that since Constable Corbin or King Corbin, uh, it's kind of been a downfall. But Character-wise, it's some of his best stuff, especially when he's – so when he re-humiliates himself or re-humbles himself to, guys, I just need a break. Can you just please give me a break? Can I can I come along for this? That's when he's he's at his most uh, believable as a character. But other than that, I don't know. And I don't have studio mode, so I don't even know where the fuck you are. You just dipped and left me solo. So since I'm solo – what does L.A. Knight say? L.A. Knight, yeah. I told you it's infiltrated the little guys, too. So L.A. Exactly. Knight's getting up. <laughs> Dude, you didn't tell me how long you're going to be gone. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know how long I'd be gone. <laughs> He's just fucking dead. <laughs> yeah, 
but the match itself was pretty good. I like that Corbin came in really strong against Seth for a bit until yes. Seth got his offense that he needed. Like he caught the break, but I mean, it is weird to Corbin starting to mention the accolades that should make him a threat and then not being able to play through those accolades. Three-time Golden Gloves champion. He should be able to knock out Seth. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, last person to beat Roman Reigns. He should be in the conversation of does he get a shot at Roman Reigns? He's just not. And my fear is that they think that the best work he's ever done was out on his luck Corbin. And I disagree. I think some of the best work he did was King Corbin because he was the most hated. Watching King Corbin and Cedric Alexander get this is awesome chance in a house show from 2000 people was sick. What are we doing? So, yeah, I don't know what we're doing with, with Corbin. Uh, real quick, damage control beat the shit out of Trish because she deserved it. <laughs> and then Becky and Lita kind of play it tough. Like, like, I get it that for Becky and Bailey, this is awesome. But outside of me feeling. I mean, this is a non-kayfabe reason to like it. Like, the only thing I have to go on that makes me go, well, it's cool is because, like, well, they'll, they like it. And personally, this will be a nice photo for them in their scrapbook. Right. But everything on TV just makes me go, we're going to get a mediocre match, aren't we? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, it's... and we've right. erased the women's tag team championships from being utilized in a positive way on the show. We've eliminated two potential matches into one match. Right. Like we could have had more women doing stuff and it feels like we're going to get less. And I don't feel confident in it just from what I'm seeing. No, I, I completely agree. And that's the thing. It's the build and how we got here. Number one, we got here without a title. We didn't need the titles. The tag titles didn't have to be there. And to put the titles on them, on a Trish, not Trish, um, uh, Lita and Becky for the sake of having the three on three, it doesn't add up, you know. Um, I think we talked about this last time on episode one the fact that you have an opportunity to get Becky Bailey, and it's not like Trish and Lita aren't connected as is. You could have had Trish and Lita just come out to help Becky the other way yeah. to knock out Ia and Dakota. And then you push them to the side until Mania, so Becky and Bailey can have their moment at Mania. And now Trish and Lita go up against Dakota and EO at WrestleMania. Fucking A. There's your two matches. That can happen. You build it yeah. the same way. You know, but that's not what we're getting. Especially if Trish and Lita are gonna wrestle. Then you if yes, if one of them has to be on the outside because they can't wrestle, okay. But if they're both gonna wrestle, put them together in the tag match. And give us yeah. Becky Bailey separately. Yeah. I get it. They're they're happy about it. And they really, really, this is the part that lets me know that they also know it's not connecting. Is their online presence, social media presence, is begging fans to just be happy for them that this is happening. I can't believe it. Oh, 15-year-old me. Like, yeah. Okay. That's, it's nice for you. But you also understand that it's not connecting and not fun to watch. And that's the bummer. Yeah. Is the heat from ba Bailey Becky is gone. Like that was the match that was leading 
two raws back to back you know what i mean like let's yeah. do these cage matches and that led to a whole lot of oh my god can you believe we're getting this now and not at wrestlemania well oh, what could we get at mania and then they go well this and everyone went oh i right. guess that's nice for them and again that's that's why i told these triple triple h throaters like you can't say that this show is better now because triple h is in charge when a super vince style thing of bringing in two hall of famers to infiltrate a main story to be a part of like this is a vince style thing it's what yeah. the wwe does they take their yeah. past they merge it with their present and their future together and now you have this moment where you have one of the biggest attractions you can have for a women's match of all time two of the best today with two of the best all time to two people who will eventually be hall you know could have hall of fame potential as well those six women come from three different eras. They're now in this match together. That's going to be on a poster for all time. It's going to be mentioned for for all time. Does it help us as fans who want to see Becky Bailey? No, not at all. Not at all. But the WWE thing to do is this. It wasn't a Vince thing. This is what WWE does. Yeah, and it's not quite connecting to me, and it feels like a bummer. Because it feels like a bunch of people I should be super excited about and happy for them. And then it goes like, all right, but it's just not connecting. And the the thing that sucks the most about it is we got one match so far, and it was really bad. Yeah. We need some version of another match. Put Becky and Lita against any other fake women's tag team. Put them against Carmella and Chelsea Green. And let them and, lose that match. But you know I'm still I mean? like, hearing I'm still hearing what the problem is. You know, the problem for me was Lita. So Lita's I mean. still being a part of the wrestling. You mean as far as to like tune up to get more reps? To show us that it doesn't all have to be that bad. Go in there and do right. a match that doesn't suck. Because the last thing I have in my mouth, what do they say? Like you're only as good as your last match in this company, yeah. in this business. You know what yeah. I mean? What have you done for me yeah. lately? Kind of a business. Your last match was terrible and you won the titles. Right. Can you get a, get us a, a match that doesn't mean as much to at least make me go, you know what, this isn't going to be a bad match? Because right now all I have to hang my hat on is this is this was a bad match before, and now we're adding more complications to it and wanting me to be excited. And the story's been pretty basic. And it's a fine story. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't need to complicate every story. It can be this simple. But you can't have that taste in my mouth going into this. And I think that's the problem. Put Becky right. and Lena in a match against Chelsea and Carmella. Have the match be decent. And you go, okay, maybe there's something. Maybe we can, okay. But the last thing I had was a really bad match that ended in a way that really sucked. And then I'm meant to be happy and excited for everybody because they're my favorites. And I'm happy that they'll have those photos, the photo shoot. But I'm not happy about any, I'm not going to rewatch any of that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I want your stuff to be rewatchable. Right. Right. No, that's, that's fair. The frustrating bit. Yeah. That's the frustrating yeah, that's bit. Now, uh, in turn, Chelsea Green versus Bianca Belair is actually a really good match. For it, what it was, it wasn't some five-star classic thing. If you rate matches, it wasn't going to rewatch this over and over again. But Bianca and Chelsea was way... It was probably the best women's match of the week. <laughs> if you watch Raw and SmackDown only, it's it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's that simple to just go out there and coordinate with your opponent in an efficient yeah. way to to produce a product, you know. And I, I haven't been. That's another example of you know 
LA Knight and Cody. I haven't been the biggest Bianca fan, and I'll tell you when I don't like her stuff. But she's yeah. she's doing just fine to keep me invested in the story to get to WrestleMania. That's yeah. that's what you need to do. You got to make me invested, and I'm I'm not turning away when she comes on. I go, okay, cool, decent match. Now the story, let's go. And Oscar's doing a fantastic job with that. But I am liking the Chelsea Green Carmella pairing. I think we I talked about that on episode one. As it's kind of layering together the different presentations, um, this is this could get to somewhere where we have a lot of fun. So yeah, they work really well together, just from a character standpoint. And you would think the the presentation of their characters have been too similar, and they're they're really not. So it's it's cool that they they're alike, but they're they're different. So I, I'm enjoying it. Yep. I want to see them bring Tiffany Stratton up and join them as well. I want a little faction, <laughs> a little Mean Girls faction. Uh, the Oscar the stuff, it seems to me like they're trying to make Oscar stay a baby face. Like she's still a kind of a good guy getting a lot of cheers and they're leaning into that. She's got the mist, which is a bad guy thing to do. But she's not getting booed at all. And I think that that can't be ignored. Do you think they use this opportunity to make Bianca the bad guy and have her start whipping motherfuckers with that hair like she didn't. It's what it's looking like that they're they're trying to see how far can Oscar take it to press Bianca's buttons yeah. and where where is it going to land? So is Bianca going to break? Mm. And that's 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 what I've been seeing because Bianca she was talking for a couple, you know, an episode here or there of Raw she would say and then she was saying less and she was saying less. And this week she wasn't even talking. She just okay. get, you know, Oscar does the belt, does the whole thing in front of her, and you can see the frustration building. And I'm I'm enjoying that because that's that's character work that's changing Bianca's personality and her presentation that's giving you something to hook onto besides like the in time brothers would say, stop fucking dancing down the ring. You don't have to do the whole entrance every time, you know? Yeah. So this this little tweak that they're doing, I'm I'm enjoying it. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to see how it turns out. I think they'll have a really great match. Uh, we'll see what what we have when we go into it. Uh, Kevin Owens and Solo Sokoa in a street fight. And at the end of it, Owens just gets his ass handed to him by the entire bloodline, and no one comes out to help him because he's told Cody and Sammy go fuck himself. Uh, so this feels like that we're on the road to Sammy or to Cody finally, or not <laughs> to Kevin <laughs> Owens finally admitting that maybe he needs a little bit of help. Uh. But I mean, the Kevin Owens character is pretty hard headed, and I could see that. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be as easy as this for KO to be like, all right, Sammy, let's go get the tag titles. Right. You know? Right. And it I'm. Still feels like adjacent. I'm slowly. Be, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. I'm enjoying the subtlety of Solo Sokoa being protected. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody I mentioned it on Twitter. Uh, how he's still undefeated, and I just responded with the sh- emoji because it's not something that we should overtly talk about because that's not what that's not what this is about. But what they yeah. are doing is building right, <laughs> right. Yeah. They're building the strength of Solo Sokoa, mm-hmm. and part of that is never seeing him on his back. Yep, you know. So I'm really enjoying it, and I'm always afraid when he gets into a match that this is the one he's going to lose. But then as you're watching the matches, you see him build and you see his strength go up and up and up. And Solisico is doing a fucking phenomenal job. 
at yeah. at honing his character, the strength of who his character is. Yeah, I agree. I thought this match was awesome. I thought they did really good together, man. Like, fuck. Kevin Owens in these, like, no DQ weapon style matches is so dope. And I want to say that at one point they chanted, we want tables. And they got over that real fast. Because the character work between Kevin and Solo is so strong that they forgot they just wanted to see a spot real quick. And they were okay with whatever these guys were going to do to tell their story instead. I agree. Just awesome. Just good. Just good to see Kevin get his ass handed to him for turning his back on Sammy. But yeah, dude, I think that's kind of it. That's kind of it. We have to see where we go from here. You're right. We got WrestleMania in a couple weeks. Then we got a match in Puerto Rico. We'll see how it turns out, man. Anything else you want to throw out there before we uh, do last call? No, I think we kind of wrapped it up. I mean, you know, for what's happening... It's always touchy leading into WrestleMania how they're really going to, um, you know, keep us hooked, keep us interesting, all that. Two weeks ago, we barely had a card. And as the card's mm-hmm. folding out, they're, they're really giving us moments to pay attention to what's going on. You know what I mean? Like even just the Brock Omos thing, it was, it was five minutes. And it was the most they've given us. And every step of the way... Even when Brock got knocked out of the ring, he's looking back at almost like, okay, okay, I got to recalculate now. How am I going to approach this? You know? So they're giving us these little moments in every feud that's going to keep us interested to WrestleMania. And the build, they're doing a pretty damn good job. So, you know, we're three weeks away. Should be awesome. Two weeks from this weekend, right? Yep. Yep. And I'm going to be out there at WrestleCon. So people come say hello. I'll be at Medusa's table Friday and Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, it's going to be kind of cool. You're going to get a day go. two ticket, go Sunday to WrestleMania? I don't think that's happening. But it's a write off, I'm, 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 I'll be out there. If anyone's got tickets they're looking to <laughs> drop on the way in, I'll pick that up. Uh, <laughs> DJ next one does give us a thumbs up. Cheers to DJ uh, and coming through and being our drinking buddy today. Cheers. We appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, man, we'll be back. Uh, actually, I'm back tomorrow night to talk to Miss Amanda Jane about. I think this week we're still talking to NXT and AEW, but we do have an ongoing thing. If you donate money to the PayPal that's on the donate of WrestlingOnTheRocks.com, I will put that money towards buying Impact, and we'll start reviewing Impact instead. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. So find out where we're at with that tomorrow night. With me, Miss Amanda Jane on Thursday Night Chaser. But outside of that, Bishop, thanks for coming through and having a drink with me, man. You got it. At Takes Podcast on Twitter, TBTakesPodcast.com. Check me out. I'll be around. I'll be here Hell probably yeah. in a couple weeks. Hell yeah. And we will be right here in the dive bar of the IWC. That's the last call. Cheers. Hey, Producer Lady here. Thanks for tuning in. Continue to support us or buy us a drink by following and putting the eye and subscribe on Twitch. Or subscribe and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Cheers! I would never have a drink with wrestling on the rock.